This is Susan D. Brock, Telluride Inside and Out, talking once again with Dr. Alan Softy. He is a world-renowned internist and gastroenterologist with encyclopedic knowledge of mind-body wellness and preventative medicine, which he proves once again um, at the Peaks Resort and Spa in Telluride um, when Dr. Allen leads wellness retreats using evidence-based scientific approach to health and longevity. Those retreats are happening in the fall. For more information on them, go to telluridelongevityinstitute.org. This week, we are talking with Dr. Allen about summer heat and your health. The news is not particularly uplifting. Dr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate you having me again. So um, one of the consequences of these staggering heat um, or of this staggering heat wave is heat stroke and heat exhaustion. Would you define them? Okay. Um, Just to give a little perspective to heat-related illnesses in the United States, um, heat waves, which we haven't abysmal one this year, claim more lives each year than all other weather-related exposures. Most people don't um, understand that we claim more lives with these heat waves than hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, earthquakes, uh, significantly more lives. So we have a spectrum or continuum of diseases um, with heat-related illnesses. So we have, you know, heat stroke, which is defined as your body temperature being really, really high, 40 degrees centigrade or 104 degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. uh, which is the end of the spectrum. That's the most dangerous aspect of that. And But we have to consider it being a continuum of illness relating the body's inability to cope with the heat. So it can be a minor illness such as heat edema or heat rash. Some people call it prickly heat, heat cramps or heat tetany, where your muscles are just contracted. Um, you can pass out and you can get heat exhaustion. But heat stroke is the most severe related heat-related illness, and that's where your temperatures can go up to 104 or above, and that's associated with significant brain dysfunction. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Who is at greatest risk? Well, all of us are at risk. Um, It's interesting that if you're not acclimated to the heat, Uh, those that work out in the heat and are used to exercising in heat can produce more actual sweat and cool themselves off quicker than people that are just going out, the couch potato that decides, I'm going to go out and play tennis for two hours in this and ends up with significant problems from the heat. They won't sweat as well. They will get dehydrated. All of them will get dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So if we look at you know, people that are most age is a significant risk. So infants and children up to the age of four are at significant risk. And adults over the age of 65 are vulnerable because they don't adjust to the heat quite as, not everybody, but some of them don't adjust quite as readily to the heat than other people. And then if you have underlying medical problems, so if you have heart disease or kidney disease, if you're obese, uh, not just obese, but if you're anorexic or significantly underweight, you won't adjust to heat very well. Uh, And then there's a lot of medications that people we give for high blood pressure, diabetes, and mental illnesses, and sickle cell treat. And alcohol does not mix with the heat whatsoever. Um, So we have to look at the medications. We have to look at the patient's history to decide which of these medications are going to be risky. But uh, medications such as diuretics, sedatives, um, blood pressure medications, medications for psychiatric illnesses, 
may predispose you to more heat-related illness. Okay. So whether we are at high risk or low risk or even medium, what can we do to mitigate that risk? Uh, be smart. I mean, which, you know, sometimes we're not. I mean, look for signs. You know, let's talk about heat exhaustion first, which is one of the more milder forms. You might find yourself being a little confused. There might be signs of dehydration. Your urine may get darker. You may feel fatigued. You may start having abdominal cramps uh, or muscle cramps. You may have some nausea associated with that as it progresses. You may have vomiting. The good part is that you're going to be sweating, but you're going to be profusely sweating. So your body's trying to cool yourself off. Um, your heartbeat will go up, absolutely. And so we have to look for those signs. And prior to that, we have to realize when we're going to be exercising in the heat, which I do quite a bit, um, that I'm going to drink 12, 24, 36 ounces before I go out. And every 20 minutes or so, I'm going to be having another 10 to 12 to 14 ounces, depending upon how much I'm sweating during that period of time. But look for signs. If you're not urinating, if your urine is very dark in color, you know, you're starting to have problems with the heat. Uh, if you're starting to feel dizzy or lightheaded, you know, that could be a problem. Stop, cool yourselves off, and, you know, make sure that you wear loose-fitting clothing. Drink plenty of fluids, um, some dilute sports drinks. It's one of the few times if you're really out in the heat, you may replace some of the lost electrolytes, but not enough. But make sure your clothing's not tight or on, you know, and you don't wear unnecessary clothing, but wear a big floppy hat when you're out in the sun and uh, long sleeves, but white or off-white type coloring. Thank you for that. Um, you alluded to the fact that alcohol and heat don't mix. So why is drinking and being out in the sun so dangerous uh, with regards to sun exposure? Well, alcohol has several problems. One, it may predispose you to more sun-related illnesses just in themselves, not heat-related illnesses. But alcohol and being out in the sun is really not a good thing for one to be doing. Um, two, you may get some peripheral vasodilation, meaning your blood vessels and your skin may dilate right then. You're not going to adapt to this heat quite as well. Uh, you may lose excessive fluids. You may urinate more. Uh, it's not a smart mixture. Um, you know, if you're going to drink while you're exercising, you know, drink your 10 ounces of water every 20 minutes, um, even if you don't feel thirsty, but don't mix it with alcohol, um, you know, and also after you exercise, make sure you continue to drink. Okay. How do we know if we're running into problems with the heat? Uh, look for symptoms. Um, realize what the heat index is. If you're exercising in a place with very high humidity, so look at the humidity before you go out. Look at the temperatures. Look where the sun is. Is it, is it a cloudy day? Is it a sunny day? So start to think about that even before you go outside. If it's, the sun is directly overhead, you're going to get more uh, cutaneous heating or skin heating than it would be if it's low in the sky or cloudy, even if it's the yeah. same temperature. And if the humidity is high, you're at greater risk, which seems somewhat paradoxical. But we cool ourselves by evaporation of fluid from our skin. Uh, dogs, unfortunately, cool themselves by evaporation from their tongue and their paws only. But we have the entire skin that we can cool ourselves off. But if you wear, you know, be aware of the conditions that you're exercising. And then look for those symptoms. Look for 
you know, any muscle cramps, any nausea, a pale skin. If you start sweating really profusely, more so than you think you should be sweating for the degree of workout or if your pulse rate goes really high, that may be early signs of heat exhaustion. Um, and then, you know, if we get to heat stroke, that's a medical emergency. Thank you very, very much. This has been Susan B. Brock talking with Dr. Ellen Softy about summer heat and your health. It's a conversation that can go on and on. If you want to talk to Dr. Allen directly, sign up for his retreats. They are occurring at the Peaks Hotel in Mountain Village this fall. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. You're welcome.